church, and I want to tell you this morning, I'm excited for Pastor John to be with us again. And uh, I am thrilled. Listen, I have known this young man now for over 20 years, and his family, Carl, of course, his dad served on my board. His mother, Bev, is with us also this morning, and uh, she was the secretary at the church that I, my first senior pastorate, and uh, they helped to initiate me into ministry, and uh, they did a good job. I'm so thankful for them. And John, listen, has lived and exemplified a life of faith. This young man has, I've known him since he was about 12 years old, just a, a young squirt living, uh, running around the church building, uh, causing all kinds of trouble, memorizing scripture. And as he went into ministry and began to pastor his church, I've got to tell you, I've never been prouder in all of my life of a man that has served God and been faithful to the Lord. And today he's going to come and bring the word to us. I have my board members standing back there waving at me, reminding me that I need to receive an offering this morning. How many of you know that's a good thing when you have to remind your pastor to receive an offering? Amen. So if you guys will come forward. And John, if you want to come get set up here. Kevin, if you could help set that mic up for him, that'd be great. Praise the Lord. I want to th thank you for sowing into the kingdom. Thank you for giving to Harvest Community Church. Thank you for your faithfulness. We're going to pray first, sweetheart. And then we could... Come on, Alicia, we, we haven't started yet. It's okay. Organization is... Father, thank you for the giving of this church. Thank you, Lord, that we're in the middle of marvelous season. Thank you that we are in the middle of a season where we are seeing your hand at work through the life of this church. The Lord, I pray that as we give today, both out of faithfulness, out of the tithe and out of offerings, I pray that you would continue to bless and multiply it. All the things that we've been able to accomplish and all the things that we've been able to do has been because of the faithfulness and giving of your people into the kingdom. But Lord, I pray you would bless the gifts and givers today in Jesus' name. Amen. As John comes this morning, listen, there is a couple books that I wanted to let you know that will be available today. Uh, one that Don just wrote, and he'll actually be uh, speaking out of this morning called Healed in the Name of Jesus. How many of you are thankful for men of God that even in the midst of their trial still believe in the Word of God? If you are thankful for that, would you say a good amen? And so this morning, John's going to bring a message on healing. And I want to tell you, I have watched John believe God for everything that the Lord has promised him. One of these days, I believe we're going to watch John walk in and out of this building. Some of you are going, so what's going on right now? What are they doing with John? They're suctioning him so that he can speak. Are you going to have your voice back? Yeah, you better. And listen, as he begins to bring the word this morning, what I want you to do is to be open to what God is doing in your life. My prayer is that you'll be challenged, just as I am every week as we talk, that we serve a God who is faithful, that we serve a God who keeps his word, that we serve a God who does heal and deliver and save. If you believe he does that, would you say a good amen? So I'd encourage you, there's a couple books he has out there. Uh, one that we did give out last year to everyone in the church. If you would like that book, it's there. It's talking about holiness. This one that he just wrote called Healed in the Name of Jesus. He's actually starting a book as he has been down here in Florida. This man has done more from a wheelchair and from his room than I've watched most pastors do in just a regular work week. And so if you would this morning, would you give a good warm welcome to Pastor John Schrock.
Yeah, it's totally the way. Is it totally? Can we do the other side, maybe? We can do the other side. Think that'll work. Yeah, that's good. All right. I will. With the Holy Spirit's help. All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry about all the uh, stuff around me here, but, uh, you know, can't hold the iPad yet, so I have to have it on a stand. So if you can't see me, you can see me afterward. <laughs> but but uh, I want to thank Pastor for having me. Um, every year that I come down for a vacation, uh, he's gracious enough to let me ruin his church service for just one time a month. So hopefully that will be more soon. But uh, I want to talk to you today. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 9, we're going to start there first. Uh, the eye is an incredibly complex organ of the body. I don't know if you know this, but it has the sensitivity to see colors, which is basically different temperatures of heat that it interprets, sends back to your brain. Your brain figures them out. And then you can see what you see. Um, the light that we see determines everything around us. Then uh, when it does that, we can see not just colors, but we can see objects and things like that. How many of you ever thought, oh, I can do this in the dark? And then, you know, your kid put something there, a toy there, there's a couch that got moved. Maybe your wife is trying to be funny, and you think, oh, I could do this, and you find out you can't. A couple of stub toes later, yeah. But in the Gospels, Jesus opens the eyes of the blind routinely. Routinely, that's an important word. It's not a surprise to him, he doesn't go, oh, uh, let me think about this. No, he just does it. And I want to look at the passages in the Bible where Jesus heals the eyes of the blind. We're not going to cover every single instance, but that's why I entitled the message today, Eyes of Faith. And I understand you're in a series a whole year of a theme of by faith. I did not do this on purpose. I was talking to the pastor one day on Skype, and he said, because I told him the title, and he goes, wow, that fits in right along with the theme of by faith. Now, I've been watching all services, and I know that, but I didn't do it very smartly. Jesus did that. <laughs> so we're going to look at eyes. I'm interested in the eye. I know a lot about it because I've been legally blind since birth. I was born with cataracts. And they've done surgeries, and my eyes are the way they are. But we will gain some amazing insights from our quick study of uh, Jesus's 
healing of the human eyes. We will see how Jesus uses faith to heal. And you're gonna, I'm gonna show you that here in a few minutes. Hopefully as you have been following along my opening this morning, you have seen all my cleverly placed words for eyes. I did that just for you. All right, so first, if you're taking notes, the first point is Jesus responds to persistent faith. Persistent faith. Let's begin by looking at how Jesus responds to a couple of guys who are blind who are on the side of the road when he passes by. These two blind men refused to be ignored. Have you ever met someone who refuses to be ignored? It's probably a child that you have. We have a dog at home who refuses to be ignored. When he wants to go out, he will not stop bothering you until you let him out. When he wants his dinner, he thinks he knows when that time is. He will be persistent until you give up on him and you take him out or you feed him or whatever he wants. These two blind men follow him around so much, cry out to him so much, and even follow him into a house. Okay, that's overstepping boundaries, I'm just saying. But they follow him into a house. They creep on Jesus until he listens to them and answers them. This first point has two questions Jesus asks to these various blind people and groups. The first one is, he asks them, do you believe I am able to do this. Now, this is verses 27 through 31, but I'm going to concentrate on verse 29. And it says this. It says, Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. These blind men refused to leave him alone. They were so persistent that they were yelling for him, and they said something important. They said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, son of David, you're looking at and you're saying, okay, okay, I know the Bible talks about Jesus being the son of the David, but what about the son of God? How come they didn't say that? Well, they would have never said that in their culture, but son of David has a very important part to it. Son of David refers to God's promise to David that there would always be a king on his throne. You say, well, that promise wasn't fulfilled. When they went off to Babylon and when they were taken off into Assyria, there wasn't a king on the throne then. The promise is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, the eternal king who sits on the throne. And it's not just on David's throne. He's on the throne of your heart if you have committed yourself to him. This is a very important phrase because Isaiah especially and some of the other prophets in the Old Testament run with this and they say the son of David will have healing in his wings. And that's why these men call him the son of David because they understand. They've probably heard of him before and they understand what he can do. And that is the son of David, the one who can heal. That's one of his qualities. And so they have acted of faith 
And then why does Jesus ask them, do you believe I can do this? Because they have to admit with faith that they have full assurance, full confidence that he is able to do it. Actions with words of faith, they make it impossible for God to not do the impossible. Their need outright any, any sense of social appropriateness or propriety. They were desperate. Let me ask you this morning, are you desperate for a touch from Jesus? Are you desperate to be with him? Are you desperate for him to answer your need? I'm talking about healing this morning, but this goes for anything that you need. Faith, provision, finances, anything you need. Jesus fulfills it completely. You know, we have things here today that we have wonderful things like, I appreciate God for the medical community, for the wisdom he gives them, for the devices like this one that powers my lungs for the moment. I greatly appreciate that. But I am so thankful that this is only partially fixed with what we can do. It's fully fixed in Jesus alone. So they used to tell me, you know, I'd go to a neurologist and the neurologist would say, okay, you're, you're a weird one because you can feel, but quadriplegics, they don't feel. You don't fit the mold. I said, I wish you would have known me when I was a little bit younger. But but that's how it was. And so they they told I had what, two or three at least. Just tell me straight to my face. We've done all we can do for you in the medical community and with the science that we have today. We cannot make you move again. You are the way you are, and you'll be that way. And I looked at him, and I said, I never trusted science. I trust in Jesus. And when he heals me, I'm looking you up and coming and take a visit. You know, so that, that's, that's where I'm at. You know? And so these blind men are there, too. They're so desperate because nobody else can heal their eyes. But they've heard Jesus can do it, and so when he's around, they come to him. Um, go ahead and move down there, Mom. Keep going. So that's the first question. Let's go to the second question. Got quite a ways. Nope, nope, the other way. Yeah, remember, I told you I was going to fly through this. Keep. Oh, the lights. Keep going. Okay, right there. Okay, second question. He asks Bartimaeus and two other blind guys. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I just want to stop for a second here. We're talking about the almighty son of God who knows all things. He meets blind people. He knows they're blind. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Stop and think about that for a second. What do you want to do for uh, me, me f to do for you? That'd be like him walking up to me and saying, do you have any needs? Yeah, yeah, I do. Would you like to hear about them? Because I could go on for a while about all the things that I want to see happen to get me out of this chair. All the things the doctors have said 
that that have to happen for me to be able to walk again. Let me tell you something. Jesus can do in one moment in his presence what we strive for for years. I'm coming up on 10 years on this thing. I'm praying that it, it won't be 10 years. Print it might be this morning. He could do it. And so let's look at Mark 10, 47 to 50. And I'm going to read about Bartimaeus, and then I'll read another quick scripture about the other two men. I, I couple these together because of the question, but all three of these miracles happened outside of Jericho. So isn't that interesting? Now, it says this in Mark ten forty-eight. I'm sorry, 47, it says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And I just want to read from Matthew 20, verses 33. Through 34, I know I'm making it turn a lot today, but that's okay. It says, Lord, they said, we want to see. These are the other two men speaking. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. All right, now, I want to focus. Remember, we're talking about persistent faith. Focus on Bartimaeus for a second. This is a completely blind man. Let me tell you something. If somebody tells me to go somewhere, rearranges something, my first thought is, I ain't moving because I can't see. The way in front of me too far. This man is completely blind. And when they say, come, Jesus is calling for you. Look at what he does. He throws off his cloak, you know, because he's probably laying on the side of the road begging. He throws off his cloak, jumps up, and heads toward Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I'm totally blind, I ain't jumping up and moving toward anything. Now, without help, he's so desperate and persistent about his faith that he doesn't care what happens as long as he can get in front of Jesus. We need that kind of faith today. We need that kind of faith today because if God is going to do the impossible, he's got to have people who are so full of faith that it gushes out of them and splashes onto people who need more to see what God can do. So he cries out, son of David also, with the same implication. We have blind guides as Pharisees living in the first century, steering people away from the Messiah and the truth. And then we have these blind people who cannot see a thing with their physical eyes, but have spiritual eyes of faith. That's incredible to me. And so these are the first instances that I see of eyes and being healed in the Bible. Now I want to move to a second instance. This is the strangest instance 
in the Bible. Go ahead and move to point two, Mama. In this one, Jesus heals in two stages. He does not heal the man all at once or immediately. By the way, I'm going to do a study on that word immediately and what it, uh, how it compares in all the healings of the Gospels. And the reason why is because it doesn't show up here, but it did show up in all those other instances. So for the five people that were healed, in my first point, it was all done immediately or instantly. It's a great word. Jesus heals his way. That's point number two. Jesus heals his way. And we're going to look at Mark 20, sorry, Mark 8, 22 to 26. Mark 8, 22 to 26. And I'm going to read the whole section. So it says, when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by his hand and led him out of the village. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Blind people have to be led. They don't just jump up. And so then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Okay, Jesus doesn't ask things just for fun. He has a purpose in it. And I want you to see that this morning because this one's going to take us for a loop. So the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very, very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. If you haven't noticed, the word clearly shows up twice in this little section here. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. <clears throat> don't go back to the village. That's also important. See, un unlike the experience of the blind man, uh, the blind man that we have discussed, there is no immediate healing for this man. There's a two-stage healing. The only one in the New Testament. I stress that because when you come to Jesus, you don't say, Jesus, heal me, and he doesn't do it right away. And then you say, I guess I'm supposed to be like this. That's from the devil. Don't say, I just have to get used to my circumstances. That's also from the devil. This is the only time, and Jesus has a purpose in it. And if we can't figure it out, that's for him to know. He heals immediately in every other instance of healing in the New Testament. So let's not think that this, what is called progressive healing, is for everybody who doesn't get healed the very first time they pray. Remember the persistence of the first five people we talked about. They didn't give up, and neither should you. It's been almost 10 years, and I haven't given up one bit. I'm going to let you in on something. Just I don't want to make this a, a pressure point this morning, but I... I told Pastor about it. I had a dream about two and a half weeks ago that I would be walking into this church and preaching. I took that to mean today. I believe dreams are from the Lord. 
I took that to mean today. I believe for today. And I don't ask the question, what if he doesn't do it? That's not a faith question. So if you have that question, get rid of it. It will not serve you well to ask God's providential healing time and place. I can tell you this, though, in my third point. He gets the glory from your healing. So if he wants to do that in a stadium full of people who praise him for it, then he's going to wait until you're in that spot. So I'm, I'm going to my third point. So I got to stop there right there. Okay, so I want to ask about Jesus things. First of all, notice that people bring this man to Jesus and look at the word there, begged him to heal him. Why did they beg? Go ahead and stop right there, Mom. I'm good. Why did they beg Jesus? Why didn't they just wait for him to do it himself? In his way and let him do it. Why did they bring this man to Jesus? It's, it's almost like, like they're like the people in John 6. You know, John 6, Jesus feeds 5,000. And then they follow him around. You know, he crosses uh, the Sea of Galilee on his feet. I think, uh, I hate to say this, I think he's trying to get away from this crowd. John 6. You read John 6 the whole way through. When they find him the next day, and they had to go looking for him because he went through the river or the, the sea. They had to go around it. And whenever they got to him, they said, they said, what sign will you do? And he says, you're just chasing the signs. You're just happy because I fed you, and you want to be fed again. You want me to keep doing miracles for you? you miracle chasers. Why does Jesus take the man out of the, out of the town, away from these people in Bethsaida? Why does he take him out? Why does he heal him alone, where only a few people are there? Because he says he sees people, okay? So they didn't like going out into the wilderness. But they got away from those people. And then at the end, he says, do not go back into the town to go to your house. See, a lot of commentators, they're like, they're like, well, they were his friends. And they just want to see their friend healed. I have a different take based on what Jesus does and what he says to the man. I think these people were miracle chasers who begged Jesus to heal him so they can see his signs and wonders and say, wow, it was really cool. Look what we saw. It is not about us. It is not about what we see. When we see God do incredible things, it is to praise him, not to talk about what we saw. I think Jesus gets this guy away from them so he can do a miraculous thing and he can do it so that this man will praise God instead of these people will go, that was really cool, do it again. Like the people in John 6, I think these people in Bethsaida are out to see something. And I think Jesus takes them away so he can do his work for the right reason, not to be praised by people because he does things but to be praised for who he is. And we need to re remember that we are not seeking our healing. We are seeking the healer. And when he heals, we praise the healer, not marvel at the miracle. We should expect the miracle. So there are two stages to this one. First, he spits on the man's eyes. The only other time he does that is in John 9 which I'm about to cover in a few seconds here. Why does he spit on the man's eyes? Great question. You'll have to ask him when you get there. 
Because I don't know and it doesn't say. But he had a reason for doing it. Spit was seen by some in the ancient world as a healing salve. Sort of like a, like a way to heal a little bit. It was seen to have healing qualities. If only they knew how many germs are in spit, they probably would have never thought that. But that was one way to think about it. All of the things he does are accused to tell us that he's going to heal this person. But why does he take two stages to do it? Was it because the man didn't have faith? doesn't say anything about the faith of this man. He was brought to Jesus. He didn't come running to him. There's something important here that I think Jesus is showing us because he spits on this man's eyes. He touches other eyes. As we'll see, he makes mud and touches eyes. It's kind of gross, but we'll get to that. There is no incantation or magic saying to praying for the sick and seeing them healed. Jesus heals them by his power, not what we do or say. Do not feel bad if you pray for someone. Do not not pray for someone because you think, do I have enough faith? And if I don't think I do, I don't want to pray and not have results. The results are not up to you. They are what Jesus does for his glory. So pray for the person when you are told to. Pray the prayer of faith as much as you can because Jesus can use a mustard seed of faith so you don't need much for him to do it. But you do need faith for him to do it. Throughout all these healing of the eyes, faith is all throughout them. You need faith and you need God's power. That's all you need. God supplies the power according to your faith. So the first time this man can see a little, Jesus didn't fail, did he? The man can see, but a little can see, not clearly. It's almost like my legal blindness. Can see, but not not twenty twenty. Did Jesus fail? No, because he can see. He was blind, and now he can see. But Jesus is done. Let me tell you something very important. Jesus doesn't do a half job. When he heals, when he saves, when he delivers, it's done completely. And that's what this is about. In step two, he touches the man's eye. Sorry, stage two. He touches the man's eyes. And then the man says, I can see very clearly. That word in the original language for clearly, or very clearly comes up twice. First time he can't see very clearly. The second time he can see very clearly. Jesus does a full work. And he doesn't quit until he's done. So whether he does it progressively or immediately or in 10 years, the one thing we need to remember is that faith is not on a timer. One woman wakes for 12 years to be healed by Jesus. Another man waits 38 years to be healed of paralysis. Lord, don't let it be that long for me. 38 years he waits, and then he's healed of paralysis. Time does not matter to God. He's outside of time, and he heals in the perfect time. Not my time, not your time, the perfect time and we need to remember that. All we need to do is be faithful and persistent in prayer and asking. And he does it in his perfect time, in his perfect way. I have had dreams about my healing for these past 
10 years, but especially since I came home in 2017, they have increased, and I believe that the increase in their frequency means that I'm coming to the close of this. And I can't wait till it's done. Don't get comfortable with your healing. Can't get, get that same attitude. Can't wait until it's over with. Can't wait until it's done. Now I want to go to my, my third point. So in this third point, this is that Jesus heals for his glory. I know I've said it twice, but it's my favorite part of this message. I'm going to just stop, touch on this. Jesus heals many people. The blind are mixed in with the lame and others who are healed in several accounts in scripture. And at times, the Bible says Jesus healed them all. It says they brought the sick to him and he healed them all. In other places it says he healed many, but many were brought, so I'm I'm thinking they were all healed too. Jesus doesn't just stop and say, eh, you don't deserve it. If that's a thought in your mind, get that out too. That's from the devil. There's a lot of things the devil will tell you. Ignore them all and read scripture about healing. That's where you get what you need to get. But this is what Jesus does. He heals all these people who are we're blind and lame. Guess what? I fit into those two categories for the moment. I think it's important. And I want to address this very quickly and move on. There are some movements out there that tell you not to say what you have or what you are. I said, don't pronounce that on yourself. Think of it this way. If you don't acknowledge, and I'll use that word, I use it in the healing book as well. If you don't acknowledge that you are sick, then what do you need a healer for? You have to tell Jesus where you are. Jesus asked these questions to these men because they need to say, Lord, heal our eyes. You can't ask for healing if you don't think you're sick. You can acknowledge where you're at and then pray for that faith to see Jesus heal you. He doesn't need to heal you if you don't think you're sick. That's just one of the things I'll point out for some of these groups of people that say, don't even tell them you have it. These people said, we are blind, we need healed. I say I'm legally blind because... I need healed. It's not that God gets glory because, you know, you're, you're sick. He doesn't get glory because you're not in the same state that he created creation to be. He gets glory from the faith you have and demonstrate to others as you are sick. He doesn't get glory when people look at me in this chair. You should see the eyes that pop out on kids. It's great to watch. They really notice this stuff. And Jesus doesn't get glory because the first thing they ask is what happened to you? And, and the kids at the church we attend in, in state college, they... They look at me and they say, what happened to you? And I tell them what happened. They say, we need to pray for you. I love kids. I love the faith kids had. I wish adults would have that same go-to. They'd be so cool. So, so this is my favorite scripture. Turn to John 9. I, I, wanna, I want you to see this. In John 9... We have a man here who is blind from birth. So I'm, I'm saying this. He recreates eyes. And you, you'll be there with me in a second. Let's look at 9, 1 through 3. 
John 9, 1 through 3, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus answered them, he says, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happens so that the power of God can be seen in him. Now jump down to verse 6. It says, this is, Having said these things, he, meaning Jesus, spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he astonished the man, sorry, anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is incredible. I have been legally blind from birth. I've mentioned that. And I've always enjoyed this passage because of being legally blind and knowing that Jesus is going to heal that too. I expect him to do the whole thing. You know, whenever he's doing it, he's going to do the whole thing. But now that I'm paralyzed, I have a new reason to absolutely love this passage of Scripture. How does Jesus know? Let's just get the academics out of the way. How does Jesus know the man's born blind? Because he has infinite omniscient knowledge that the man's born blind. Now, he probably tells the disciples this. So now the disciples want to turn this man into a test case. They, they want to talk about the academic stuff. So who sinned that this man was born blind? There's an assumption they make. Don't make assumptions. I won't tell you what they mean. But they assume the man sinned or his parents sinned for him to be blind. They assumed sin causes sickness. And that's the general teaching of Scripture. So why would they say he sinned when he was born blind? How can he sin in the womb? Well, the rabbis actually have big, big discussions on this. And one of the places they point to is Jacob and Esau. When Jacob grabbed the heel of Esau, trying to get out first, they say that was a sin of hubris that he had in the womb before he was born. So that's why the disciples asked that. What about the parents? Remember Exodus 20, verse 5, where Jesus, I'm sorry, where God says that the sins of the parents will be visited upon the children. That's where the rabbis get that. That's where the disciples are asking that. There are other scriptures, but those are two main points. But Jesus says neither of them sinned. But the man was born blind to display the works of God in him. I was paralyzed that when I'm healed, God's works of healing and power will be seen by others and they won't be able to keep their mouth shut. They'll have to praise God. So let me ask you, when you see me walking in or when you see me walking out, what are you going to do? There's only one thing to do. And you won't be able to stop, trust me. So, I want to get to why I call this a recreative miracle. Everybody turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2, 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. Okay, so... Remember what happened in John 9. Jesus spit on the ground and made mud 
covered the man's eyes. And I like that it says anoint there because anointing is attached to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you why that's important in a second here. And John, Genesis 2-7, the Bible says this. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. So that's the first creative miracle. Notice two things there. The dust of the ground and the breath of life from God himself. Okay. I point this out. I want you to think biblically with me. There is a earthly element, the dust of the ground and the dust that Jesus made mud from. And then there's the heavenly or divine element. In Genesis, it's the breath of life from God himself. In John 9, it's the spit from Jesus. Divine spit, earthly mud, which is coming from dust. When it's wet, it becomes mud. This man is born blind. Was it possible that his eyes were deformed from birth, which is why he was blind and could not see? And he waits his whole life for Jesus to recreate his eyes before he opens them so the man can see him. Now, why does this make me so excited? My spinal cord is injured at the very base of the uh, brainstem. This is why I'm on a vent, and I can't breathe for myself very well. If Jesus can take a man's eyes, that may not be there or may be deformed in some way from birth. Perhaps there was an incident while he was born. We don't know. But if he can do that, recreate eyes, then he can recreate the myelin. That is not around my spinal cord. He can do that. There is no no quadriplegic in the Bible who is healed. It's only recently, for the last 30 or 40 years or so, that they have made the technology for a quadriplegic to, to survive beyond his injury like I can. But I don't want to need this vent anymore. So I believe that Jesus can do the impossible. And I believe he can do it for me. I believe he can do it for you. And if he needs to recreate something to do it, let's let our faith do the, the talking and the walking this morning. And so I want to ask, if, if you need healing today, and it doesn't matter what it is, if you need healing today, Jesus can do it. I want to take you to one more place, and I hope you'll see what I see. Go ahead and go back up a little bit, Mom. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to mess with your mind a little bit at the end of service. You know, I, I get to speak once, and Pastor gets to clean up the mess afterward. You're welcome. So take take a, a stroll with me into Psalm 139. Very familiar passage for all of us. Verses 13 through 16. You hear this often used in the abortion debate, and rightly so. But I want to take 
you to a new place in understanding the scripture. If I'm wrong and I screw you up, ignore what I said and move on. And then when you get to heaven, you'll find out I'm right. No, I'm sorry. You won't find out I'm right. We'll find out the truth of what this means. But think think with me about people like me who are born legally blind, people who they call, uh, you know, people who are, I hope they don't use this word, defective or have birth defects. People who weren't born the way you were. People who have issues from the beginning of life. And some of those medical signs can help, and some of them it can't. Listen to what God says about every person, not just those who are made what we think of as right or perfect, but every person he says this. This is David speaking to God. But think about this this morning for those people as well as everyone who's born the way we think they should be. You made me, uh, I'm sorry, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your Workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. If you're here this morning and you're a parent of one of those kids who has birth defects or who isn't quite like everyone else around them. Let me just take some guilt off of you. It's not your fault. If you want to blame someone for your kid being different, blame God because he made them that way. In the womb, he did that, not you. He made them that way because because one day he had written all the days of their life already. And one chapter of that book of their life is the day that he heals them. Just like this man was born, bright, born blind and into adulthood, he waited for Jesus to heal him. To come along someday and heal him of his blindness from birth. And God displayed his work and his glory in that person. He'll do the same for that kid who wasn't born the way we think that that kid should be born. Do not, not feel guilty. Don't let the devil put that on you. Be free of that today. And thank God for the day of your child's healing. Maybe you're here today and you are that kid who has what the doctors call birth defects, things that aren't right. I recently was at my eye doctor and he was looking in my eyes and my nurses like to tease me. He says, John, everything in you, in you, you was tiny was the word he used or small. He was saying, my eyes are smaller than they should be. My um, optic nerve is shorter and smaller than it should be. But it's still there. And he just said, just everything about you is smaller. 
And I said, yeah, but you don't know what it's like in the spiritual realm. What God sees in me is not small. And it's not small in you either. And so I want to call you forward, you who need to be healed this morning. And hope, Pastor, we have time to do this. I just, I want to pray. Pray for those who are sick, those who have injuries, those who have things that you know Jesus can heal when you believe. There is faith in this room for that very thing. And so I don't know if somebody wants to, to play on the keyboard real quick here. And, uh, well, we don't need the keyboard for Jesus to heal. So Pastor and I are going to pray for you this morning. And I love to do this because uh, Pastor said this the first year that I was down here like this, and, and I wanted to pray for the sick, and we were praying, and, and he said, this is just messing up the devil right now. Quadriplegic praying for people who need healed. I think that's just cool, you know. I think God's just messing with the devil, and so... Let's mess with the devil today. Let's put aside everything that he said. And let's listen to what God says as we pray. So if you need a touch from God for healing especially, can you come forward? We want to pray for you. Don't be afraid. The first step of faith is a step toward these altars. And so I'm going to stop talking. And we're going to turn the mic off and mute it. And Pastor and I are going to pray for you and then if you wouldn't mind after that praying for me that would be super cool so. Amen. if we could have the uh, well Sherry's going to come but if everyone could stand please this morning how many of you got a blessing out of that word today Amen. listen people say pastor why would you have John come in and preach why would you have a man in a wheelchair come and, and share the word. I'm going to tell you exactly why. Because I believe that the faith of this man will inspire to miracles. I think the American church has also grown so comfortable with everything being a show that we forget the power that comes out of just living a real life together. How many of you know God is faithful? I've watched this young man from the age of 12 to where he is now. You just turned 38? You're about to turn 40. Welcome to being older. That makes me feel old. Hallelujah. But what I got to tell you is this. I love this talk on faith. How many of you heard something today that challenged what you believe? bet you did. How many of you heard something today that sounded actually like it was biblical? The thing we have to understand is this. The things that God has called us to do in the world isn't about the show. It's not about the fancy. It's not about the best speaking, the best. It's about serving Jesus. Now listen, if you have a need in your body and you believe that God can touch you today, I want to encourage you to come forward. There's already a couple that have stepped out. We're going to begin to pray for you and trust God for miracles. Some of you have family members that need a touch. God's going to touch Dick. The greatest, the greatest miracle will not be the healing of his foot, but his salvation. It's going to be marvelous. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I th thank you for those that have come forward right now. I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. I th thank you, Lord, that we know there is healing available to us through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And Lord, we thank 
thank you that the work is already done. You said it is finished. So, Lord, I thank you that even in the progression, even in the process of being healed, I thank you, Lord, that it is a finished work that is done already in the Spirit. Father, not only do I thank you for those that have come forward, Lord, that they are healed in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up John. Would you just stretch your hands this way? We thank you, Lord God, for fulfilled prophecy and for fulfilled vision and dreams. Lord, we look forward to the day when John will walk through the doors of this church and walk away from the altar here completely healed by the glory of God. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the faith of a man that has faced some of the most incredible trials that a human can ever face. And here he is preaching the word and writing a book from a paralyzed wheelchair on what healing is. Devil, you're defeated in the name of Jesus. You are a liar. You are a thief. And we thank you that you do not have the final say or the final word, but that our hope is in the word and in the goodness of God. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for what you've done in this place today. Lord, I thank you that not only are miracles being done, I thank you that your word has been put inside of us so that we minister in faith. Not only believe in faith, not only trust you for our own lives, but Lord, as we step out, we know how to speak and minister to others who are going through their trials, who are going through their challenges. Thank you that you're a creative God. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And this morning we give you glory for your faithfulness and your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Listen, if you're thankful for Pastor John, would you just give him a hand this morning that he came out today? Listen, I want to thank you for coming. Listen, it's been a good summer. These last couple weeks we've planned with VBS, with Pastor Joel last week, with John here this week. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you've been filled.